Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is Steel Curtain Network editor Dave Schofield coming at you Thursday morning, February 29th. That's right. It's Thursday, February 29th. Can't believe it's now been four weeks since I talked about the whole idea of we've got five Thursdays in February. You're not going to get that again for another 28 years until 2052. So this is your only Steeler stat geek you should ever receive on February 29th. Because honestly, if you're talking 28 years from now, I'll be going on 74. And if I'm still trying to bring you the numbers that farther down the road, somebody tell me to take a break because I probably need it. Um, And you know what? If something happens where I would be doing Steeler stat geek that long from now, uh, I might take that day off just for that reason of talking about this day that happened 28 years before. Whoa, a lot of stuff could happen between then. You know, 28 years from now, that's going to be where the Steelers are going to put their their extra 12, lum, not 12, sorry, 20 Lombardies is what I meant to say. What are they going to do with those other 20 Lombardies they're going to get between now and then um, in the next 28 years? But, uh, of course, that's me. I'm, I'm the king of wishful thinking. But, uh, you know, if – the Steelers could, could do that. All they have to do is listen to their fans, and, and they'll win every year. Uh, yes, I'm a little bit bitter. It's a little bit interesting with, with everything because it's this time of year. It really is. It's the combine. You're dealing with the first day of where they'll have the televised testing. And I'll be honest with you, the testing is probably what I think might be what teams take the least out of everything. Um, generally, testing only – Testing only really, to me, I think, raises a red flag if something's bad, but maybe um, it would it could maybe draw something to attention if it's good, but I don't think it's the make or break. I think Jeff Hartman was, I think he kind of alluded to this. Uh, maybe this was what he was trying to say, but but uh, didn't, didn't go as far to say it this way. It's the first thing I thought of when he used these words um, about the tape. I think it was Jeff that said it. Uh, If not, I credit Jeff for everything. So there you go, Jeff. I'm going to give you credit for it anyway. But there might be something in the combine that causes you to go back and look at the tape. It was Jeff because he was talking about with KT Smith on the NFL whip around. That it's all about the tape that the players put out there. But you could have somebody that, you know, maybe says, oh, wow, that's something really impressive. Let me go back and look at their tape a little bit more. Or it could be, ooh. That's that's concerning. Let's go back and check the tape and see how that affects them. I think the combine results when it comes to the testing and then the medicals in case there's a red flag or anything like that, I think that's only going to cause teams to 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 look further into a player, but they're going to rely more on, more on that tape than anything else, in my opinion. So we, we got that going on. Uh, I have to mention it, even though I, I talked about it a little bit on Scobro Show Tuesday night. This is Stat Geek. We got to talk numbers, and the salary cap number came out. It did. It went up to two fifty-five point four million, I do believe. I mean, it went up thirty some million, crazy, way more than they thought it was going to, like twelve or thirteen million more than it was projected. That's good news for the Steelers, but that's good news for everybody. It's going to be. I mean, it's good, better news for the players. They're they're going to they could get a little bit more uh, a piece of that pie. I mean, the players will. As a whole, we'll get all of that. But individual players, it's just might make it a little bit more 
you know, drive up the price of those guys that are free agents this year. That's that's the biggest increase, I think, by far, uh, if you have to go back and, and look at it. So that's because they were finally able to shake off some of the stuff from recovering from the 2020 season, and they're just rolling on. With that, if you want to know where the Steelers stand, there were some several things that happened. They released Mason Cole. Uh, Dan Moore Jr. got a uh, proven performance escalator that ups his cap hit over $2.3 million more than it would have been otherwise. They saved not quite $4 million with Mason Cole after displacement. But then that player that got moved up displacement-wise got moved right back down because there was another just shy of 100 k that was cost against the Steelers when they finally came to terms with where they claimed off waivers Jeremiah Moon off of uh, off the Ravens at the end of the year, where they were, I think, maybe trying to get him back to the practice squad, and Steelers said, nope, we'll take it for next year. Um, that's something interesting to, to, to look at. But you could say, well, what's the Steelers' salary cap number right now? There isn't one, really. I mean, I, I get what it is, believe me, but you've got all these futures contracts. They technically don't count yet. They don't count until March 13th when the new, year, new league year comes in, hence why it's called futures, because it doesn't count yet. But you can know what it is and count towards that and everything. I'm still not 100% sure that I've got from, from a definitive source what the rollover is for the Steelers. Also, there's the, the Steelers have to account for uh, off-season workouts that they pay players for. That counts on the salary cap, and it counts now. And, you know, well, not now is in the beginning of the league year um, or whenever the NFL says, hey, you got to count this. Uh, usually it's by the beginning of the league year, as I do believe. Um, uh, the timing of it, I'm not sure of, so don't quote me on that one. But usually in August, once you see, hey, they didn't use it all, this gets credited back. Uh, that's that's some of the benefits sometimes when the Steelers are like, hey, we got everything done. We're not doing a practice this day. Oh, we're not doing another week. Um, players don't show up. They don't get paid. You know, if it's good work for the team, but – and but it's so it's not enough on the salary cap to really matter. It's less than a million dollars um, in the first place, so saving that little bit isn't a deal breaker. But uh, just something to keep in mind. So I have the Steelers could be anywhere around eight point nine million under the cap, maybe up as much as you know nine point five, depending on that rollover amount, that other amount. It, it, it fluctuates in there. Um, I'm just I'm not ready to nail down my number yet that I'm rolling with just because. Uh, I'm still trying to get some of the data with that. But thought I'd mention that here on StatGeek. But now I'm going to dive into the the main part of the podcast. And the it's interesting because I'm talking about, you know, your a player's individual statistic versus their statistics, their numbers, versus team numbers that you're saying, okay, well, did the, the player could put up great numbers. But the the team doesn't have success with those numbers. I'll you know put them in context. I didn't dive into these numbers because they're kind of depressing. I'll give you an example. The Steelers went six and one when Minka Fitzpatrick was not in the lineup. Okay, that meant that they went four and six when he was. That's not good. Now Minka also didn't first year. He didn't have an interception. A part of that was because he missed so much time. But to me, that has a lot to do with usage. I didn't dive into Minka numbers because I can't break that down as well. Um, I'm still hoping at some point here, KT Smith dives into that where what was that with Minka Fitzpatrick this year uh, when the Steelers seemed to have more team success when he wasn't there? 
But I'm going to dive into a couple other things. And in order to do that, we're going to have to we're going to have to hit the rewind button on the season. I'm going to look at two different things, and both of them, and we're going to hit the rewind button to a certain point of the season and then see how things play out from that. Remember how Steelers fans and everything was looking at that time, and then how it evolved from there. What happened from there? I'm going to do it, and I'm going to look at it in two different ways. One of it was where things got better. One was where things didn't. You know, things of that nature uh, to kind of make you maybe think a little bit outside the box of some narratives that are out there about some some different things. So you you might have an idea where I'm going, but uh, you you'll probably be surprised where I'm going with the start, where the bulk of these numbers are going to be. And that is sometimes a story or a narrative gets pushed and repeated and accepted without really any good backing. I'm going to hit it right now. I'm going to hit the Mason Rudolph narrative. The Mason Rudolph narrative after 2019 and everything, for those of us who really liked Rudolph coming out of college, there he is, got some plays out of the Steelers. Oh, you know what what 2019 told us? Mason Rudolph ain't it. Steelers just, you know – Maybe keep him around for a backup on his rookie deal. He shouldn't be in the mid. For those of you that think Rudolph can be something, you're crazy. He's done. He's toast. There you go. But some of those same people are turning around saying, Steelers wrote Mason Rudolph too, way too early. He wrote him off too early. And, and look at him now. They shouldn't have done that. What are they doing? But then the same people want to turn around and write off Kenny Pickett too early as well. So it, it's a – these narratives got there, and it's and it's not always the same people, but it turns into the vocal majority, you know, or maybe they are the minority, but they're vocal. That that the, that's the story that ends up building. So I'm going to hit the rewind button right now, and I could take the break early. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it later. I'm going to do one and then do the other. So it might be a late break this time. I could I could have taken it now, but I kind of want to divide these two things up. Because I want to rewind everybody back. I want to go back to the, almost the midpoint of the season for the Steelers. We're going back to week eight. We're going back to coming out of week eight. The Pittsburgh Steelers just lost at home to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They lost 20 to 10. They gave up um, the you know over 100 yards rushing. They, 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 they had three takeaways, but they had two turnovers of their own. I mean, they even won the turnover battle, and they still lost the game. Kenny Pickett got hurt, couldn't couldn't do the fourth quarter. Steelers were only down seven points going into the fourth quarter. And what do they get for Mitch Trubisky? They get two interceptions. Okay? Um, you're Sorry, you're, you're not going to get a lot of love for me for Mitch Trubisky because as you go back and look at things throughout the season, you're just like, my goodness. If it wasn't for him, what could this season have been for the Steelers? But looking at that, the Pittsburgh Steelers after week eight, okay, they were four and three. They were giving up 137.1 rushing yards per game. That's what they were given out, given up. I mean, and their, their points per game, they were giving up 21 points a game. They were 18th in the NFL with that, their, with their rushing. Uh, I'm trying to find their rank. They were 27th in in the NFL in rushing defense. And they were struggling to stop the run. And you know what happened 
in starting in week nine, you got the return of one Captain Cam Hayward. Now, Cam Hayward did not have a good individual statistical year. He did not. He had 33 total tackles, according to Pro Football Reference. That is the fewest he's had he had since 2016 when he only played seven games because he missed so much due to injury. All right, he had six tackles for loss. Once again, lowest since 2016, although 2020, he only had seven. Okay, quarterback hits. He only had three. Three quarterback hits, lowest of his career. 2.0 sacks, fewest sacks he had had since his second season in in Pittsburgh. And he only had one pass defense, you know, getting his hands on the ball. Uh, that's He had had pass defenses. You know, he only had two in 2015. But other than that, he had none in 2012. That's how far you have to go back. Cam Hayward statistically did not have a great season when he came back. He appeared in 11 games, but that opening game, he didn't last very long at all. In fact, he only played 14 snaps in that opening game before he was lost for injury. And when he came back, Cam was still not 100% this year. I'll say that. And they're like, oh, well, why should he come back? Everything else. Yeah. But look at the difference when Cam came back. All right? The first three weeks, the Steelers did not overwork him the first three weeks. The first three weeks back, uh, Cam played 55%, 59%, and 60%, 60, sorry, 61% of the defensive snaps. Almost had that wrong. So, so they kind of eased him in those first three weeks. The first three weeks, the Steelers went two and one. Um, and they only gave up 105.7 yards per game. So right there, they took off over 30 yards per game rushing just in those three games compared to the first ones. Then you look at the next one. That's when Cam started to get more of his playing time, 82%. Now, it's funny because his 82% was actually fewer snaps um, in that first Cincinnati game because guess what? They didn't play a lot of defense snaps. But 82%, 74%, 75%, 75%, 61%, that was his low when that was against Cincinnati the next time. That's because they had a big lead, didn't have to call on him, Uh, eight and could let other guys play. Um, 84% and 77%. uh, And then in the playoffs, he played 82% in that game. So if if you want to look at those. But I'm just looking at regular season right now. So you look at at Cam then coming back for those games, weeks 12 through 18, the Steelers averaged giving up 97.0 yards per game in those games when they went four and three. So if you look at it, the the, the first eight weeks, eight, yeah, eight, sorry, I can't say eight games, it was eight weeks because they had their buy in there. The first eight weeks of the season, the Steelers gave up, as I said before, 137.1 rushing yards per game, 27th in the league. After after Cam came back, you know, where where he was where weeks nine through eighteen, ninety nine point six yards per game. That was eleventh in the NFL when they finished overall for the whole season nineteenth. So they improved that much because they really jumped in those weeks after Cam came back. They averaged thirty seven point five yards less per game rushing when Cam Hayward came back in the lineup. And you're like, well, well, they, you know, but, 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 but look at, look, he played a little bit in week one, but they were against San Francisco oh, and Baltimore. Okay. Let's look at the rankings of the teams 
that the Steelers played during those stretch. I just went, I'm like, I'm going to list every team that's in the top 20 in rushing, finished in the top 20 in rushing, okay? So while, while Cam was out, and I'm not including, I'm including him being out for San Francisco, they went against number one, Baltimore, number three, San Francisco, number 11, LA Rams, and number 12, Cleveland Browns. But when Cam came back, once again, number one, Baltimore, because they played them at the end. Now, granted, you know, they, they were, you can say what you want to about them not playing their players. They still play Baltimore. Number four, Arizona. So that's only one behind San Francisco. Number 10, Indianapolis, which was one higher than the Rams. Number 12, Cleveland, just like they did in the first half. Number 15, Green Bay, and number 17, Tennessee. Then, then you look at, oh, well, what about really bad rushing teams? Well, they played the 31st Bengals when Cam came back, and yes, they played them twice. Um, and they played, but they went against the number 30th ranked Raiders when Cam was out. Um, and they actually didn't give up very many rushing yards in that one. If you take that game out of there, my goodness, the Steelers' rushing yards were even worse because given up. Because in that game, they only gave up 69 yards rushing. And all the rest of them when Cam was out, the next lowest one was Jacksonville at 106. Everything else was 125 or above. So then when Cam comes back, he had a couple games where they were still, you know, they went, Tennessee was 105. Green Bay was 116, and then Cleveland was 96. They held the Bengals to hardly any rushing yards. That's what you got to do, 25 rushing yards. The most rushing yards they gave up was actually the Colts, 170, and that was you know the end of that game. They just couldn't stop them. They couldn't stop the run, and that was a lot. Uh, gave up 150 against the Cardinals. Both of those games were games the Steelers were down in the fourth quarter and gave up a ton of rushing yards in the fourth quarter, which kind of stands out a little bit. Uh, with I'm not making an excuse. I'm just saying what it was. So if you look at points given up by the team, I said the Steelers were giving up 21 points a game. They were 18th in the NFL. But from when Cam was out, weeks one through eight. Weeks nine through 18, they gave up 17.7 points a game. That was fifth in the NFL. And they finished overall sixth in the NFL with 19.1 points given up. You can't say that. Cam Hayward is not possibly a factor of the Steelers' defense playing better. Even though he didn't have the best individual statistics, my goodness, the Steelers' defense as a whole was better when he was back if you're simply just looking at that. So I wanted to lay out those numbers. Now we're going to take a break and we'll come back and lay out a few other numbers. Not as many numbers, but we'll, we'll talk about it some. With another narrative, we'll turn back the clock and say, how much do the individual versus team statistics really matter? So stick around. We'll be right back after this break. Steelers fans, here we go. This is part two of Steelers Stat Geek. Just laid out a little bit about how, you know, Cam Hayward didn't have great numbers, but the Steelers defense was better when he was playing. 
Uh, it, it just uh, they were better against the run. I'm not counting them against the pass because yeah, he has pass rush, but he's not back there defending guys. I didn't even look at those numbers. Couldn't even tell you what they were. I think they were improved. Um, anyway, but they gave up less points, gave up less rushing yards um, when 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 Cam came back. But let's turn back the clock and look at what was going on within the 2023 season. I'm turning back the clock. This is interesting because this one, there was an article on Wednesday, steelcurtnetwork.com, really great article by one of our new authors that kind of tackled this subject. And I had already broken down this stuff. It made me think of one of the things that I, that I threw in here is another number with it based on the article and a comment to the article. But if you go back to the beginning of December, the, the, the clock flips to December. We're getting into December football. Where were the Pittsburgh Steelers? All right. Going into the month of December, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they were seven and four. They were seven and four. They were in second place in the AFC North. They were tied with the Cleveland Browns with records. They were they'd split with the Browns, but they had a better divisional record than the Browns. So they were once they, they had no game lead, but they held the tiebreaker of the Browns for the five spot. The Browns were the sixth spot. And in the playoffs. And not only that, the Steelers, they were they were a game and a half behind the Ravens. They were only one game back in the loss column. And that was the week that the Ravens were having their bye, the first week of December. So the Ravens were going in the, going into December, going into their bye. The Steelers had an opportunity to close to within one game. Now, the significance of that is the Ravens, not only that, they were the one seed. They were the one seed. They had a half game up on Kansas City, Miami and Jacksonville. I'm pretty sure all of them were eight and three. Um, I can actually have that here somewhere where I can tell you, yes, they were all eight and three. Every division winner had three losses. Baltimore just happened to have one more win because of the bye. So they were holding that one seed. But what was interesting is what was the talk going on with Steelers Nation? Okay. The Steelers were getting ready. They were getting ready to roll. They were getting ready to roll. They were uh, they were one and a half games behind the Ravens, one in the loss column, and they got to play them week 18. The, the Ravens didn't have to even lose another game to help out the Steelers. If the Steelers just kept winning, they had a chance to play for the AFC North Championship in week 18. Now, if either team stumbled, if they stumbled the same amount of games, boom, they're still playing for the AFC North in Week 18. The only question is, were they playing for the number one seed? Yes, there were Steelers fans talking about the number one seed as you're going into December. Well, what were they? What was the Steelers coming off of? They were coming off of their first game without Matt Canada as offensive coordinator. It was man, did Matt Canada unite? Steelers Nation, the what you're talking about, guys, did that for Christmas. Um, where, where they do, uh, you know, it's uh, or, or it's a bit, it's the spoof on It's a Wonderful Life. I'm going to mess up what name they called it, but they did it for Matt Canada, and it was basically Matt Canada. You don't understand. You united Steelers Nation. Everyone was behind Matt Canada getting fired. You know, they, it was one of the most united things that was going on. So Matt Canada had been relieved of his duties. For as offensive coordinator, there were the Steelers broke them up into two 
different people, offensive coordinator Eddie Faulkner, play call offensive play caller Mike Sullivan. So the question was, how how, how big of an improvement are the Steelers going to see right away? Now you you think you could maybe get a little bit of an emotional boost that first week, kind of like what happened with the Bills. They got that, and then they kind of came back to earth a little bit when they let go of their offensive coordinator, and then they got on a roll, and then they got on a roll after that too. So the question was, how's it going to work with this? How much of an acclimation period is it going to take? Well, the Steelers had played one game without Matt Canada, and they were victorious against the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, yes, it was Jake Browning. It was, it was. It was in Cincinnati. The Steelers won, what was it? Was it 16 to 10? I think it was. They're like, oh, that's not a very, that's not a, 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 a an overly impressive Victory, but you got to remember the Bengals when the Steelers were just kind of let letting them go. It was sixteen to seven, and the Steelers were kind of letting them just move down the field, um, and because they were up two scores, and the Bengals kicked a field goal late to then drop to the onside kick and everything else. So that was that was one thing. Then you, there was another situation. I'm pretty sure that the Steelers, you know, kind of like they had with the Ravens earlier in the season. They weren't really trying to – they were more concerned about going up two scores than they were putting the, the ball into the end zone uh, to go up a, by a bigger amount of two scores, uh, if, if you know what I mean. So you had that going on. But the thing that happened with the Cincinnati Bengals game, you had two things that happened. One, the Steelers had by far their most offensive yards of the season. They had 421 yards. First time they had gone over – 400 yards since before Matt Canada was offensive coordinator. He had never done it. They had their most passing yards of the season up to that time. So even though, yeah, it, you didn't you didn't have the points, but you had, you know, the 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 easy touchdown that Deontay Johnson dropped in the end zone, followed by the Jalen Warren fumble that Deontay Johnson didn't jump on, and that whole thing. I mean, that was that was something that would have made a big difference in that game. But part of that is, you know, getting used to new things happening. You know, the, the Steelers were over, able to overcome that. But that was the narrative. And the Steelers, not only that, there was a little bit more to that narrative. And now I'm going to get into to, to where I'm going with this, which I'm sure you, you're pretty sure where it was. The Steelers were 7-4. and four, But two of those four losses, the Steelers were not – quite out of the game, one more than the other for sure. But their fourth quarter hero didn't play in the fourth quarter because he got hurt during the game. And that was Kenny Pickett did not finish the Houston game, and he did not finish the Jacksonville game. Now that Houston game, they go forward on fourth down, have a terrible play call, don't kick the long field goal, would have had a, a much you know a one-score game, but instead Kenny Pickett gets sacked, and hurt, and the Steelers give up two more touchdowns. That's that's how that one played out. And then you had had the Jacksonville game where Mitch Trubisky comes in and throws two fourth quarter interceptions. I mean, when the Steelers were going into the fourth quarter down seven, so you, you're even thinking about man, the Steelers could have even been in a little bit better situation, and they're getting ready to play a weaker spot of their schedule. This is really coming on, all right? And then in a tie game where the Steelers had driven down, where it's on the cusp of scoring, 
They had players get hurt on back-to-back plays. First, Sam Mullen got hurt. Did, I didn't even realize that because I was at this game. And then on third down, Kenny Pickett probably scores a touchdown if he doesn't get hurt on the play. And he gets hurt. The Steelers come in, try to run it on fourth down because Isaac Siamala was just tearing people up. And they tried to run a running play, but it wasn't over top of the left guard, but it wasn't Siamalu. And they didn't score the touchdown. And the defense gives up the big long drive, and things just fall apart from that. Okay, but it was a 3 3 game when, when Kenny Pickett got hurt. Kenny Pickett never played another snap the rest of the game, the rest of the season. And going into that game, in a game that Kenny Pickett left when it was tied early in the game, second quarter, not even halfway through the second quarter, right around there. Um, because that was a long drive that took up pretty much the rest of the quarter that the that the that the Cardinals had. It might have been a, it might have been a little bit more than the, than half the quarter. I, I'm I don't have the exact time in front of me. But without Kenny Pickett taking a snap, he went from the quarterback that now had the shackles removed and could get to the get the Steelers the AFC North and maybe even the one seed to. This quarterback is garbage. The Steelers need to move on. And he never played a snap. How did it go from there? I mean, do people not remember what they were saying going into the month of December? And nothing with Kenny Pickett changed. He just wasn't available. And he did the tightrope surgery so he could come back, you know, hoping Mitch could limp them through against the, the Patriots and possibly the Colts. And 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 the and the Bengals. Nope. They turn to Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph actually plays well. And therefore, Kenny Pickett doesn't have to come back any sooner. Some people are like, well, Kenny Pickett got replaced by Rudolph. No, that is not how it went. Well, Kenny Pickett was able to come back and play, and he didn't. Kenny Pickett was available to play. But Kenny Pickett, like most NFL players at that point of the season, was not 100%. And Kenny Pickett was even closer to 100%. You can't have that kind of surgery on your ankle and think you're going to be 100% four or five weeks later. It just doesn't make sense. And because Mason Rudolph was playing well, there was no reason to have a significantly less than 100% Kenny Pickett come in for a Mason Rudolph who was probably as close to 100% as you could be because he hadn't played all season. It just didn't make sense. So it was the right call to keep doing that. And who would have known exactly how things would have gone um, for for more? It's not like Mason Rudolph played fantastic against Buffalo. But if he would have, the Steelers probably would have won. They would have rolled on with it. But my point is, you look at Kenny Pickett, and the problem is the individual numbers. And the big one that jumps out is the six touchdowns. Yeah, the six touchdown passes on the season in 12 games for Kenny Pickett. All right? I admit, that is not good. That is not good. But at the same time, you're talking seven and five, and you're also talking three of those games he didn't get to finish, and they were all losses. Couldn't win a game that Kenny Pickett got hurt. Now, you want to talk about the issue with Kenny Pickett being that he's injury or with the injuries, that's a whole different, that's a whole different conversation. And I'm not going to argue against that. That is a huge concern going forward with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But everyone's so caught up on Kenny Pickett, six touchdown passes. Kenny Pickett, what is it, the one point 
1.9 um, touch or touchdown percentage. It's one point. It was 1.9 last year. It's 1.8 in, in over two years of his touchdown percentage with the passes. Okay, we'll we'll talk about that here very shortly. But everyone's so caught up on the touchdown numbers that you forget about the wins and losses numbers. And even though I, I mentioned this stuff with Cam Hayward in the first half about the rushing yards, the points given up, you're right. The most important number of every football game is the number that goes in is where the one goes. Does the one go in the win column, the loss column, or the tie column? That's the only number that matters. Now, don't, don't be like, wait, aren't you a stats guy? Yeah. And people will argue this, and I, I've seen it before. They're like, wait, there are other numbers that are important. No. Other numbers lead to that number, but that is the top of the mountain. I don't care if the Steelers win a game two to nothing on a blocked punt and the offense has negative yards. They got the one in the win column. All those other numbers explain why that one was went in the win, the loss, or the tie. All the other numbers. Why the, why it went where it went. And it gives you confidence moving forward in certain things. Okay? I tell you the one thing that with, with when it comes to Kenny Pickett that I have confidence in, and people might say, oh, sacrilege. Even more so than Ben Roethlisberger is his ability to finish in the fourth quarter. And Ben Roethlisberger was great at that. But Kenny Pickett's right up there too. And that's and I did those numbers before, and that's why the Steelers have the wins with it, and that's why when he didn't finish games, that really that really hindered the Steelers. But I said this before once on the Steelers preview, Mitch Trubisky has screwed Kenny Pickett in with in Steelers Nation's eyes, because for some reason everyone looks at well I don't want to say everyone and too many people look at the numbers and the play at quarterback before Mason Rudolph and after. And they take that awful, terrible, blowing the season play for Mitch Trubisky, and they lump it in with Kenny Pickett. And that's not right. If you want to take Mitch Trubisky's numbers and lump them in with Mason Rudolph, that's going to bring that down a whole bunch too. But in Steelers Nation's mind, they don't remember what they were saying and thinking going into December before Kenny Pickett got hurt early in that Cardinals game. So then it all changed. All oh, this team, they can't even beat the Cardinals. They can't even beat the Patriots. That's because Mitch Trubisky was terrible. Okay. I was asked the question or answered the question on, on uh, a Friday night Steelers six pack that Jeff Hartman did um, a few weeks ago with uh, uh, where he just asked a number of questions. He says, if Kenny Pickett is healthy all season for the Steelers in 2024, the Steelers will have blank wins. And my answer was 12. And I'm like, people might think I'm crazy. So, but that's actually one less than, would have, than it would have been last year if that would have happened last year. If Kenny Pickett would have been healthy all season, meaning he finished every game too, I think the Steelers win 13 games. Well, if you really look at the numbers and how everything was going. But for some reason, yes, Kenny Pickett, he does that duck and spin out of, of, of the pocket thing. In the article that I was quoting at SteelCareNetwork.com from Wednesday about Kenny Pickett, they went back and watched every snap. He said he did it 13 times. 13 times in 12 games. 
So I hate it when he does it. Drives me nuts. But it's not like he's doing it all the time. Okay? That's something that can be fixed. But the the other stuff when it comes to a little bit more numbers when it comes um, uh, to, to to things with before Kenny Pickett got hurt and after, or, you know, before December, after December, is the is it's still the whole Matt Canada effect, okay? With Matt Canada, it I mean, Kenny Pickett had a had a really good game passing the football once he got rid of Matt Canada, and you're like, oh, well, the the, the number, the touchdown percentage of the six touchdowns. All right, let's put that in perspective. Let's look at this. Let's look at this. Let's look at red zone. Okay, if you look at the red zone, and you look at the number of passes thrown on a play where the ball was snapped in the, in the red zone. The, the, it's a red zone play. The Steelers ranked 30th in number of passes attempted in the red zone last year. Now you say, well, that's that's based on a raw number. Okay, it is. Well, maybe they weren't there very much. Okay, well, that's true. Well, if you look at quarterbacks, Kenny Pickett, if you look at the number of passes thrown in the red zone, Kenny Pickett was 29th in the NFL of quarter of of all quarterbacks with passes attempted in the red zone. Okay, all right. You're like, where are you going with this, Dave? He, he only played 12 games. You had Mitch Trubisky. You had Mason Rudolph. If you take the number of attempts of Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph and you add that to Kenny Pickett's attempts, it only moves him from 29th to 26th. If you want to look at it, just in general. And that's compared to all the quarterbacks. That's why they're 30th out of everybody. Because you're like, oh, okay. But the Steelers, they were the middle of the NFL in rushing attempts in the red zone. They were 17th. They were one behind 16th. All right? So what the Steelers do when they got down there? They ran the football. So when you're in a place where you're closer to get these touchdowns, you're not. Not only that, when you look at the numbers, if you break it down by down, by down, the Steelers did not throw the ball very much on first down, but all three of Kenny Pickett's red zone touchdowns passes last year came on first down because the teams just weren't expecting him to throw it on first down because the Steelers would run the ball. And his completion percentage on third down, terrible, because the Steelers would be in a bad spot and everyone knows that the steel that they're going to have to throw the ball, and it makes it a lot harder to complete the passes because teams do, especially with Matt Canada there, what they were going to do. You just they just they knew what was coming. So when the Steelers actually did something they didn't expect and threw the ball on first down, they actually had a lot of success. They only had like two incompletions on first down in the red zone. So you're like, okay, well that's just red zone. But now also look at pass plays that went for 25 yards or more. Last year, the Steelers had had um, 30 pass plays that went for 25 yards or more, significantly more than the year before, okay? But 13 of those came in the first 10 games of Matt Canada. 17 of them came in the last eight. That's including the playoffs. But there was only one in the playoffs that was longer than 25 yards. But I'm going to go ahead and include it. Eight or 17 of them came in those eight games. So you're you're complaining about Kenny Pickett not throwing for more touchdowns and having such a low touchdown percentage, but you had an offensive coordinator that wouldn't push the ball down the field, and when you got to the red zone, he wouldn't pass as much. 
kind of hard to put up touchdowns with that. It, it, it is. It's, it's just, it's just kind of how it goes. So when you put those numbers in context, to me, yeah, it was only six, six touchdown passes of the season. But the more important thing was how the team was doing. And for some reason, Steelers fans don't want to think about how they felt going into December and the hope that they had for the Steelers going forward. And then Kenny Pickett got, gets hurt, Mitch Trubisky all but craps away the season, and Rudolph has to save it. They just remember. They just remember Rudolph saving it. That it, and they say because Rudolph had to save it, Kenny Pickett ain't it. Well, Kenny Pickett had them lined up to to potentially win the AFC North and and even had the number one seed still on the table. And Mitch Trubisky crapped that away. To where Mason Rudolph had to win all the rest of the games and get help just for the Steelers to make the playoffs. That's how it went. So to me. When you look at the numbers of Kenny Pickett individually, what's more important is can he win games and and can you count on him at the end of the game to do it? I already did the numbers before last week about when the Steelers were within seven points going into the fourth quarter. They had they were what ten and two. They won every game that they were either tied or had the lead going in the fourth quarter. And of the six games, they came back in four of them, and one of them was that Jacksonville game where Kenny Pickett was hurt. So that's another way to look at look at the numbers. So if you want to really focus on it, you can kind of drive yourself crazy, okay? But when, also, some people are going to say, oh, well, yeah, well, you're talking about those 17 plays in those last eight games without Matt Canada, 25 yards or more. That's because Kenny Pickett wasn't playing. You only played one game. Okay, you're fine. You're at one game and, and a little bit more one. But Kenny Pickett played roughly 18% of the time after Matt Canada was let go. But yet he had 24% of the passes that went for 25 yards or more. So you can't say that that happened because they didn't have to – Kenny Pickett was holding them back. That's not the case. Kenny Pickett was even doing – you know, he had – you know, he had – and I'll tell you, all 13 passes over 25 yards, but while it was Matt Canada, they were all Kenny Pickett. There was no much Trubisky in there. So Kenny Pickett had had four, you know, four, 24% of his pack of his passes that went over 25 yards, 24% of that happened in that game and less than a half without Matt Canada. And not any of the previous 10. Yeah, that's how it works. I mean, so that just kind of goes to show how it is. And, yeah, you could say it's opponent. They were playing the Bengals. You can spin it one way you want to or another. It's just kind of how that goes. But my point is I really hope you took those numbers, especially the first half with Cam Hayward, and took them to heart. Because one thing I didn't say, i got to bring this back because I completely forgot to say it in the first half. Cam Hayward, some of the people are like, well, that are talking about him and, oh, he's old, he's got to go to retirement. Oh, his cap number is huge. Do you realize his cap number is almost exactly the same as last year's? Wasn't a problem last year. Wasn't a problem last year. His $22,256,250, according to Over the Cap, in 2023 is only $150,000 less than 2024, which is his $22,406,250. The salary cap went up 13.6%, and Cam Hayward's salary only went up 
six, seven percent. So people that say, oh, with Cam, it's really all about salary. His 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 salary cap number was the same last year, and it was more detrimental to the salary cap last year than this year because of the size of the salary cap. So if that's if that's your excuse there, that doesn't work either. It's simply for some reason a narrative that's out there that that probably the number more than anything is because of Cam's age. Always numbers around because of his age. He's got to be done. You know, just hold the phone. The Steelers don't have to touch anything with Cam Hayward's contract. They could let him play out the one last year, and it would be all right. Now, I'm in favor of saying, hey, why don't you extend him even if you don't think he's going to play that time? You're just going to spread the cap hit out later, and you're not going to have to pay those those um, uh, base salaries when that happens. But it is what it is. So they could do that, but if they don't, I'm fine with that because it's really not a problem. So there you go. That's why sometimes when you look at the individual statistics, it doesn't paint the same picture as you look at how the team is performing with with those certain things going on. So that was just two examples. I hope you enjoyed it. Hey, um, that was something, once again, I thought that up right after the show last week, started working on it. I haven't reached out on on X for questions yet. Still waiting if anyone just has them on their own. If not, I will fire them out here pretty soon. Uh, but that's at STLR Superfan Dad. And if you want to get a hold of me on email, you just add at gmail.com. Uh, after that, if you have any stats, questions, or anything you would like me to look up, hey, make sure you're checking out all our podcasts uh, at Steel Curtain Network. Hey, and also expand your horizons to all of FFSN. I've been talking about another Steelers podcast out there now. That's the Black and Gold Blueprint with uh, Roy Countryman. Uh, good stuff already. He's had a couple episodes. Just had one another one on Tuesday uh, talking about the Combine. That was really good stuff there. Uh, if you want to check that out as well and 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 support Roy, he's he's a friend of the show. Um, and so and also I've already mentioned several times SteelCurtainNetwork.com. Go check it out. We're we're getting more comments on on articles. We're getting more traction going um, with some of the numbers um, and everything else getting picked up and going and doing certain things. But we're also having some new voices chiming in. Like the article that I was referencing was putting the real spin on Kenny Pickett. And that was by Jason Murphy and did a really nice job. Really recommend go go checking that out. And, uh, hey, next week I'm going to be on location. I know it doesn't matter to you all because this is audio only. Um, but I hope that I can still bring you Stat Geek. It might be a little bit shorter next week. I thought it was going to be shorter this week, and of course it wasn't. But uh, so I better roll out of here before it gets too long. And as I always say, to close these out, thanks for geeking out. Mm-hmm.